Time to barrel down as we uncork the Indiana beverage industry one bottle at a time. Good morning, Pop Swirl listeners. I'm so excited to be joined by one of my dear friends, Miss Hannah. Hannah, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm a little chilly. It's kind of the end of January. It's hard to believe that the holidays are out of here and we are prepping for Valentine's Day. How silly is that? Yeah. And Hannah, <laughs> go ahead and tell our listeners um, which winery you were with and what your role is. Yeah, I am the manager of Mallow Run Winery um, down in Bargersville, Indiana, which is in Johnson County. We're just about 15, 20 minutes south of Indy. Um, I have been managing Mallow Run now for almost three years, um, worked there for two years before that as well. So I've been here for a little while of, of our, our tenure as a winery. Um, we did celebrate our sweet 16 in 2021. So of the 16 years, I've been there for about five of them. That's so fun. And one thing I love about Mallow Run is I think it's maybe a hidden gem, if I can call it that, on Indianapolis South Side-ish, Southish side, because you you've heard of Mallow Run and we see you in all of our big box stores. And then you go and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like this is the real deal. And you have a great event space that we'll talk a little bit later about in the podcast. Um, but where did Mallow Run start? How did Mallow Run start um, 16 years ago? Yeah, so Mallow Run has a bunch of rich family history, which is one of the things I absolutely love about working here. Um, so we are actually on a 600 acre family farm that's still a fully functioning farm. Um, the farm was settled in 1835 um, by George Mallow, um, who is our current owner's great, great grandfather. <laughs> so, so much history. Uh, yeah, so um, George Mallow, great-great-grandfather of our current owner. Um, so Mallow Run gets its name from the stream that actually runs behind the winery and right through our farm, um, which is Mallow Run, the stream named after George Mallow, who founded the farm. Um, so like I said, still a fully functioning farm. Um, one of our three co-owners is John Richardson. Um, he grew up on this farm. He was born on one of the, in one of the farmhouses right here on the property. Uh, he actually was a school teacher his whole career down in New Albany, Indiana. And once he retired um, around 2000, he moved back to the family farm um, in one of the farmhouses. And he had always been really just passionate about wine and grapes and um, wanted to start growing grapes as a hobby. Um, so in 2000, he did his first plant. Around that time, his son, Bill Richardson, also moved back to the family farm in one of the other farmhouses. Uh, and they just started kind of tinkering with, with the vineyard and vines and grapes. And they sold their grapes a little bit after they started coming together. Um, but around the same time, they were also restoring um, the family barn on the property, which was built around 1870, 1880. Um, and so as they kind of went and kept growing the and and started messing around with making wine themselves. They realized they really had all the ingredients to start a winery. We had the venue of our barn. Uh, we had the vineyard. Um, we had 12 acres at that time. Um, and Bill was a really gifted winemaker. So we had John and Bill. And the summer before we opened, Bill married his wife, Laura Richardson, um, who she is our director of operations. Um, so the three of them still run the winery and our event venue, which we'll talk about later. Um, so we just have this really rich family history. We're still on that 600 acre farm that's fully functioning. 
Um, you can buy freezer beef from us, uh, <laughs> but we also have this 12 acre vineyard um, and this amazing historic barn that still has the original beams from the 1870s. Um, so we kind of just started as a side project that turned into a successful business. And I love that because I love how Malaron is so family oriented. I mean, even though you are not maybe directly family, I feel like your staff has always kind of welcomed, especially when I've come or when I've needed something from you guys, it's always absolutely right away. You know, how can I get it to you faster? And I, I just love that family atmosphere of Malaron. And I think that really shows in your tasting room with your tasting room staff and um, obviously, you know, with you as the manager, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think just by being ran by a family um, who, I mean, they live on the property, they put their blood, sweat, and tears into this business. Um, and you still see them here on the weekends, during events, during our concerts. Uh, Bill and Laura are still down in the shack. John is running a register in the tasting room. Um, so they're here and they're present. Um, so it does just make the entire staff feel like a family. Um, it, it's rare that you get someone who hasn't worked here for a, a decent amount of time. Cause once you come, you just kind of fall in love with it um, and fall in love with the people. Yeah. Um, so, so it does have a very family oriented feel. And, and a lot of our staff, we um, end up getting through referrals. So um, I have family members that work here. We have other staff members who are related. Um, it's just a lot of of, oh, I know someone who's looking for, for a part-time job and then they come in and, and so we're just all connected and it's really great. I love that. So keeping it in the family, all, yeah. all the family, the big extended family. And yeah. so you touched on vines. And so obviously right now, not a really great time to go out and look at the vineyard, um, <laughs> but we're soon going to be looking at spring and then spring comes summer and summer, late summer, we'll think about harvest and the cycle repeats itself. And so just give a quick overview We'll talk about your wine list, so we'll we'll leave this in. But you guys have several different series, and one of them is your estate grown, if I can, or I think you just call it your estate series, right? Yeah. And so how is that estate series different than like your picnic series? And what does estate mean to our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar? Yeah, absolutely. So our estate wines are going to be made from 100% uh, estate grown grapes, which are grapes grown on our property. So we have 12 acres of vines um, and we grow 11 different types of, of grapes. Um, we grow red grapes, we grow white grapes. Um, now in Indiana, if people listening don't know, it's not exactly the best conditions for <laughs> growing grapes. So unfortunately we can't grow um, some of the grapes more people have heard of. You know, we can't really grow a Cabernet Sauvignon grape. We can't, can't grow a Pinot Grigio. Um, what we grow in Indiana are called hybrid grapes. Um, they are descendants from grapes like, like the Chardonnay. Um, we've grown Chardonnay in the past, um, but they are hybrid, hybrid by combining with a different um, vine as well. So they end up coming out sturdier, hardier, and they can survive those crazy Indiana winters and crazy <laughs> and it's just you know you never know what you're gonna get you're gonna get a dry smell you're gonna get a wet smell it's all over the place so um we can only grow hybrid grapes so um chardonnay were the first grapes that we grew um back in 2000 were our first plant um unfortunately those are the only vines we did have to replant um so 
unlike places like California, where you can have ancient vines that have been growing for hundreds of years, um, we were really fortunate that we got about 14 years out of our Chardonnay vines and then finally had to replant just a couple years ago. So now our oldest vines um, were planted back in 2003. They were our Catawba vines. So um, like I said, we do red and white. So um, each year we try to release an estate white, an estate rosé, and an estate red. Um, so at any given time, you might find those on our wine list. Right now, we do have our estate white on our wine list, um, which is a blend of all the white grapes that we grow. So um, another kind of hard part about being in Indiana, since those vines still don't thrive here as well as they would in other climates, um, you know, it's difficult to produce mass quantities of estate wine um, just because we, you know, don't have... The, the large vineyards or, or really the, the climate to take care of the large vineyards you might see in other states. Um, so a lot of our estate wines are blends of multiple grapes that we have. So a red blend, a white blend, a rosé blend. Um, now our picnic concert series um, or our picnic series wines, those are our kind of traditional sweet red, sweet rosé, sweet white. Um, and those are made with... Um, Red, uh, our red is made with a Concord grape. So you've got that real nice grape juice. Our white is made with a Riesling grape. Um, so some grapes that you can't grow in Indiana. So with those ones, we still make the wine on our property. We still bottle it here with a five man assembly line, um, but we do have to purchase the grapes or the juice and you are gonna make wines with some of those grapes we can't grow here. So you know that the picnic wines, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon. We still want to make them. We still want to offer them. Um, but we just have to purchase those instead of growing them on site. Well, I'm glad you brought up hybrids because something that I think is fun when I meet friends from out of state or from the East or West coast or anywhere else that Indiana is not, I think it's fun to compare, you know, a Vidal Blanc to a Sauvignon Blanc. So Vidal is a, like you said, descendant or a daughter, son, whatever of Sauvignon Blanc. And so it's fun to open up both of those bottles and to say, this is your, you know, this is what your state grows, or this is Sauvignon Blanc from where you are. And then here's Vidal Blanc from where I am. And to really compare and contrast those, because I think one thing that I love about Indiana is Hoosier hospitality, right? And so I always say that inside of this wine bottle, there's a lot of Hoosier hospitality. So maybe it's not the traditional semi-dry, semi-sweet Sauvignon Blanc, but it's just a little bit different. And I think Indiana is just a little bit different that you can, that flavor really comes through in that bottle of wine. Then I think that's true with a lot of your guys' wines too. Um, it like your picnic rhubarb. I remember the first time I had it, I was like a rhubarb wine. What the <laughs> heck is this thing? And it's one of my favorites. I mean, I, I buy a case every year because it's so different. It blends so well with a lot of different occasions. How the heck did you come up with that wine? Or was it just a dream? <laughs> I think it was, yeah, it was just a dream. So um, John, he's kind of our resident historian, one of our owners. And so, um, you know, they, of course, I'm sure grew rhubarb on the farm and, yep. and just like the memories of rhubarb pies and, and things like that. And most people do come in and it, it's, it's almost like a memory for people when they come into the tasting bar and they see rhubarb, they're like, Oh, I haven't had rhubarb since I had my grandma's rhubarb pie. Like, yes. Try it. And it never is exactly what they think it's going to be. And people always like it more than they think. Um, and it was our best selling wine for 
the majority of time we've been open, I think like 14 of our 16 years, it's been our best selling wine just because it's unique. And, and I think just to be a winery in Indiana that does grow your own grapes and, and tries to produce what you can, you have to be a little unique um, because we aren't in California or Italy. So you just have to um, be a little different and find what works for you. Yes. Rhubarb wine from Alla Run, one of my favorites, I'll call it a summer wine, spring wine, late fall yeah. wine. Um, it's not, I don't know. It, it does remind me of my grandmother's pie. I am glad you said that because that's what I thought of the first time I'd had that, you know, five or six years ago. And I was like, this is insane. This is pie in my mouth. And it kind of reminds me of like Oliver's apple pie that they release in the fall. Yeah. It kind of brings yeah. back all those memories and just right. smile. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go back to your tasting sheet, because one thing that I think um, is super fun that maybe a lot of people don't have is, um, well, I guess you don't have it right now because it's not the 500, but you normally can your Traminette for the Indy 500. So where did that, I mean, is that just unique to Mallow Run? Was that a special project? Because I always look forward to it as well. Yeah, so it was a special project. So, um, and I guess it kind of came from a few different places. So, of course, Traminette is Indiana's signature grape. Um, so, we already offer that on our tasting menu kind of in, in three different um, ways already. We have a dry Traminette, um, we have a semi sweet Traminette, which is traditionally what you see most places, and then we have a bubbly Traminette called our signature for Indiana's signature grape. Um, so, around the time um, they started getting ready to celebrate the Indy 500s, 100th year and 100th running. I know there were a couple of years it didn't run, so they were kind of celebrating that 100 for a couple of years. <laughs> uh, our owners, they they love racing. They go to the race every year. And of course they love wine. So you can't bring glass to the track. Um, so this kind of idea formulated that for the Indianapolis 500s kind of 100th celebration for those few years, um, why don't we try canning a wine? And and if we're celebrating the Indy 500 and celebrating Indiana's history, what better wine to can than our Traminette? Um, so we first canned that, it was back in 2016, which I believe was that first year of kind of celebrations of 100 years since the first running of the 500. Um, and we did it for a couple years after that. Um, and it was first called 100, and then we called it our turn four Traminette after that. And so always a nice little fun play on words, kind of just paying homage to the, the track and Indiana's signature grape. Um, and just for wine fans, being able to take wine in your cooler to the track because you can finally take a can and not it's a bottle. It's so nice. Yeah, it uh, came in a convenient four pack. And um, so it, it was a, it's been a really fun thing to do, just something a little different um, uh, to you know, give people different options. Now, is that something that you're going to continue? I mean, obviously we're, we're out of the hundred year thing now. <laughs> We're, we're into the COVID thing, I guess, or maybe we're coming out of the COVID. So is this going to be an annual, like a seasonal release? So it was for about three years. And then of course the world kind of changed in 2020 right. and everything, everything changed. So, um, I don't know if we have official plans to bring it back in 2022. We're still kind of figuring out what our year looks like, but one thing we have continued to can, um, are our ciders. So we do still, oh. um, can throughout the year. So we offer kind of a seasonal cider, just depending on when you visit us. Um, our most recent release was going to be last fall. We did our cranberry cider. Um, we do a blueberry cider over our blueberry festival weekend, um, 4th of July. Um, and then occasionally you can just find a normal hard, hard apple cider, 
Um, we've got a sweet cider, a hop cider for beer fans. So um, we do still can. Um, we do bring in a canning company, but just like most of our other wines, we can right here on the property. Um, so we, we will definitely still continue canning because it's just a fun, fun option for people who come in and they're like, well, I don't really drink wine. So it's nice to have something else to, to let them try. Well, it's different. I mean, it's not, we've talked a little bit about mead, um, on the podcast too. So it's not a mead, it's not a wine, it's not a beer. It's just somewhere in the middle of all of that. And it's great that, you know, it's still done on the property, still done at Mallow Run. I think that's really special. Yeah. And I know summer feels far away, but it's nice to have those canned options, not just for the 500, but for boating and camping, just not having to bring a bottle, a glass bottle places. is just a game changer for those outdoorsy people in the summer. And I mean, okay, everybody loves a glass wine bottle, right? It's so traditional. It's fun packaging or labels, but they are so doggone heavy. I mean, I go on vacation and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to bring back this, you know, three pound bottle of wine. And then all of a sudden my suitcase is six pounds yeah. heavy. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> or how many, yeah. How many times do you take a bottle of wine on a trip and then realize you didn't bring your wine opener? <laughs> oh, shoot. No way to uncork it. So the cans definitely come in handy. <laughs> yeah. Something fun and different. I love that you say that because I have like a little I don't know. Well, a little bag in my purse that I have like Kleenex or pencils and and I always used to keep a wine opener in there. And I would, you know, you just go to the airport and you don't think about what's in your little bag. And like three or four trips in a row, they were like, ma'am, you need to come over here. I'm like, what the heck is in my purse? And of course they pull out the wine wine opener and they're like, cause it has a little knife on the end. And the the screwy guy is a little pointy. You know, everybody here has got to know what I'm talking about. I'm like, yep, sorry, guilty. Yep. Just take it. You know, they're like, do you want to ship this back? And I'm like, yeah, let's ship back a $2 wine polar. So anyways, side note, funny story about me. (laughs) So, um, we're looking forward to summer. I mean, it sounds a little crazy being the end of January, but I mean, it's going to be here pretty, pretty soon, or maybe people are going to start getting out because we're tired of being cooped up. Um, weather is going to start getting nicer. So if we were to come into Mallow Run, kind of walk us through the tasting experience. Um, do you have flights? Can we purchase by the glass? Um, do you have to pay for samples? Walk us through what that's like. Yeah. So coming in our tasting room, we are open noon to six every day. Um, weekends, Monday through Friday, noon to six. Um, and every day we offer complimentary wine tastings. Um, we work super closely with the Johnson County health department to kind of determine where we're at in, in kind of things. And we're, we're always watching it. But as of this moment, our tasting bar is open, which is something our customers are just so excited for. Um, so we are offering our complimentary wine tastings at the bar. Um, so you'll come in, you'll hop up to the bar. It's first come first serve. You just find a place and our awesome staff will come in and, and help you figure out where you, what you want to taste. So, um, our wine list dry to sweet. We've got a little bit of everything, dry white, dry red, dry rosé. We've got two different sparkling wines. Um, our cider is available for tasting that's canned semi-sweet to sweet wines. Um, and they'll help guide you through, you know, those, which wines you'd like to pick just based on what you normally drink, or if you want to try something different. So complimentary wine tasting every day. 
After you're tasting, you're welcome to buy wine by the glass. Um, you can also buy the, buy, buy, buy the bottle to enjoy here as well. Uh, and of course, buy to go. Um, now we try to keep it, um, keep something going on all year. So even right now in the middle of, of January, um, we have what we call our winter warmups. Um, so we do a soup meal on the weekends on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we have a basement and an enclosed patio that's heated. Um, and guests can come in and after they choose their wine by the glass or by the bottle, they can head down to our heated patio, listen to some music and have um, a soup meal with um, some delicious soup, some like fresh break, baked bread um, and drink their wine. So it's just something fun and different. Um, it's definitely more low key than the things we do in the summer, but it's so nice to have something to do in the winter, you know, January, February, March, there's not a lot going on. Um, so just to be able to get out of the house, to have some soup, have some wine, listen to some music. Um, they've always been super popular. And we're so glad to have them back this year. So those will run through the end of March, our winter warmups. Love um, that. Yeah. And uh, maybe for our listeners um, who don't live in Indiana, eGways are available on Vino Shipper, which is a platform that I feel like I talk about in every podcast, but we love it because um, this allows, I mean, anybody to, well, not anybody allows a lot of people to enjoy Indiana wine that, um, live in and outside of Indiana. Right. And you guys are available on Vino Shipper too. We are, we are so grateful for Vino Shipper and it feels like every year there are more States added to the list that we can ship to. Um, you know, every state has their own different kind of liquor laws, but you can go to our website. We have a whole shipping page. It has all the States listed that we can ship to. And like I said, it feels like it's more every year, which is awesome. Um, so we love to ship our wines to people. So, you know, if you love our rhubarb wine and, and you live elsewhere, you can get it shipped straight to your door. Yay. And one thing on your website that I want to highlight before um, I let you go today is your events page, because not only do you guys have your great concert series, you were talking about soup, but you guys are always doing something somewhere. Yeah. And if nobody has ever been to Malaran or if they've never been to the Sycamore, I highly, highly suggest um, at least asking for a tour of the Sycamore because I'll let you go into details, but it is big and it is beautiful and it is just so perfect for Mallow Run and it's a little bit down the road. So you do have that separation of, um, you know, kind of a more event center focus versus a winery. So it still allows those two entities to be different, but give us an overview of the Sycamore because I just love it there. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, the winery had been open for a little over 10 years and um, right around then is when um, kind of barn weddings, country weddings really became super popular. And we were just inundated with people wanting to get married at the winery. Um, and with our concert series in the summer, it goes from May to the beginning of October. Every Saturday night, we have a concert out on our stage on the lawn. So we just weren't able to host weddings um, because we had so much going on already for the public. Um, so around 2015, we broke ground on the Sycamore. It is less than a quarter of a mile away. So it's still on that 600 acre farm, just a couple of driveways west of the winery. Um, we opened our, our event venue and it's so much more than just a wedding venue. So we have two different spaces in there, um, one of which holds up to 300 people. So it's perfect for weddings, for nonprofit events, fundraisers. Um, and then our smaller space holds up to 85 guests, which is really great for showers, retirement parties, graduation parties. So 
we host all kinds of private events over there. Um, it's just been so nice to have that that addition. So when people do reach out wanting to get married at a vineyard, they still can. And luckily our vineyard does like range so far. There's actually a vineyard over at the Sycamore that's part of ours. So you've got those beautiful wedding photos in, in the vines, which is what everyone wants. Um, so that space is so great, not just for private events, but we do host several winery hosted events over there as well um, for the public. So we just missed it, but in December, we do our annual Pancakes with Santa that's open to the public to come in with their kids and um, have brunch. Parents can get a drink at the bar. Kids can do a craft, sit on Santa's lap. So that's always one of our favorites. We will this spring do our uh, bunny brunch, which is similar. We'll have the Easter bunny and a brunch and the bar will be open for parents and we'll have crafts. So um, we do still have public events over there as well. Um, even things like yoga classes, it's nice having that space. So in the winter, um, you know, we can do them inside, not just out in the vines. So uh, we do try to keep that space kind of hopping all year long. So it's not, it's so lovely having that, especially in the winter to host some of those events that um, we maybe don't have room for over at the winery. And I think the Sycamore is a great place to hold like a mini conference too. I know um, when Jill and my colleague Jill and I talk about, you know, places to host, um, you know, industry events, we always look at the Sycamore because it's big enough, but it's still small enough to be, you know, your, your more intimate, um, you know, conference where you're comfortable to ask questions. We can walk over to the winery, have a glass of wine or see, you know, the equipment. So if you're looking for somewhere like that, I think the Sycamore is a great option. Again, just on the south side of Indianapolis. Yeah, it's a nice central location. We've had several different businesses do, you know, trainings or um, now that people are getting back in the office, you know, team building activities there, um, conferences and meetings. And then they usually do pair it with maybe coming over to the winery at the end and doing like a tour and a tasting so they can kind of have that, 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 the group that group feel of finally being together again back in the office and getting to do an outing and having fun. So we love kind of like customizing those days for people, um, like meeting for part of the day, food, fun for part of the day at the winery. So um, we love customizing packages like that for businesses who are looking for something for their employees to get out and do. Love it. And one thing I'm excited to get out and do, hopefully, We'll say um, in October is to join Mallow Run in Spain and Portugal. This yeah. looks like a trip of a lifetime. Um, I know we're still a little ways out, but um, kind of give us a shameless plug because I literally texted my husband and I was like, hey, what are we doing October 4 through 16? I have an idea. And he always knows that I'm up to no good when I have to ask, you know, nine months in advance what's happening. So, Give us an overview. Are you going? Who's going? What the heck are we going to be doing? So this will be our second trip as a winery. Um, so we went to Italy in 2019 or 18. 2018 was the Italy trip. Um, so the Spain and Portugal trip originally was planned for 2020, got pushed back, got pushed back again, and now it's planned for 2022. So on these trips, it's incredible. We worked super closely with a travel agency that is actually owned by someone who has worked at the winery. So she loves wine just as much as we so do. Fun. Yep. 
Um, and she helps customize the itinerary for us. So um, they're going to take you guys to different wineries through Spain and Portugal. Our owner, John Richardson, who has traveled kind of all around Europe, um, learning about wine and wine tasting. He's always on the trips um, just to, you know, of course, taste the wine, but then to kind of mingle with our customers and, and, and help them learn about wine and learn about the differences between the wine they might get at Malo Run and the wine they're going to get at these historic, old, like ancient vine wineries. Um, so John Richardson will definitely be there and fingers crossed I might get to join. So, yeah, I'm kind of like you. I'm like trying to text the husband like, okay, like we got the tri- official, the trips in 2022. Let's do it. Oh, I love it. But you know, some some people do have to stay back because the winery will still be open those weeks. <laughs> we'll Somebody see. has to work. <laughs> but yes, definitely check it out. It should be on our website if you're interested. Um, the travel agency, the Greater Go, is who we're doing it through. Like I said, the owner has worked at the winery for several years, so she just loves wine and travel, which is perfect. So um, she's a great host. So definitely reach out to her for um, more information if you're interested. So, I mean, I, the Purdue Wine Grape team hosted this trip, I think it was in 2017. Um, we're something similar, not at all what you guys, okay. It's something similar to what you're doing, but um, I noticed you guys start in Porto and I studied abroad when I was at Purdue. So I did the whole Europe thing. I traveled every weekend and I'm very, very biased to Italy. And I always will be because that's where I stayed, but Porto is a close second of my favorite places. It is so small. It's quaint. We went up to Sandaman and it was the most gorgeous view I've ever seen. And so when I looked at your trip first and saw that you guys are spending three nights in Porto, I was Mm -hmm. so excited. Um, So three nights in Porto, three nights in Lisbon, one night in Evora and two nights in Seville. I mean, this trip is going to be amazing. You're going to get to see so many different places, try so many different wineries. There's, there's time for you to just kind of be off in your own group and sightsee on your own. So it's a nice mix of kind of group activities and alone time to do whatever you like. Um, it's, I feel like it's just structured enough. And when we were deciding on a destination for our second trip, it was so hard. Cause like you said, Italy is just like the perfect place to go. Yeah. Um, but we started looking to all these other places and, and we really want to kind of expand everyone's kind of knowledge and and, and what they know about wine in different parts of, of the world. So we're super excited to go to Portugal and Spain. And our hope is to continue to do trips like this, hopefully about every other year and open them up to our customers to join us. Um, so we'll see where else in the world we can explore in the next few years. So if I'm a customer of Mallow Run or another Indiana winery, and I don't know a lot about wine, can I still join you in Spain and Portugal? Absolutely. The trip is open to anyone and everyone. Um, you know, we just, we want people to, to go and learn more about wine and have a great time. And that's what we intend to do too. And, and get to know our winemaker, John, in the process. Um, he, like I said, he is the history of this place. This is his family. Uh, he, he's the heart and soul of what, what created this. So um, spend 10 minutes with him and it's just so much fun. So spend a couple weeks with him in wine country in Spain and Portugal, and you're going to have the time of your life. Oh, well, Hannah, I hope to see you there. We'll knock on wood. We'll hope the stars align for us. And um, if not, I will be Tamela Run so soon. But Hannah, thank you so incredibly much for joining me on the Pop Swirl um, today. It's been 
so fun to connect or reconnect with you. I mean, I haven't since um, we missed a couple of years at wine festival, I haven't seen you for a little bit, but um, obviously we lost no time in the time that we didn't talk. So thank you so much for having us. This is such a great podcast and we're so honored to be a part of it and, and hopefully we'll get to come back on again sometime in the future. Yes, girl. You just let me know. Maybe um, we can do like a live from the track if you do your can yeah, again. Wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Hannah, you have a great day and I'll be seeing you so soon. Like, thanks so much. All right. Bye girl. Bye.